Hey, welcome back to Stratford and Chat. Uh, it's a weird weekend, honestly. I, I don't feel too good about how yesterday went down. Um, we basically threw away two points, and I don't know. I mean, this is definitely up there with, um, the, let's say it's a top three frustrating match up there with Sheffield and Tottenham, I'd say. But yeah, this is this will be a slander podcast. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, the the pain is still inside of me to this day. I think that completely ruined my whole mood Saturday. Um, it, you know, three, three result against Everton. And it's, it's crazy. Cause like we dominated the game. I think that we had a really good game to be honest, but yet we conceded three goals and we tied. So, you know, how does that happen? Just stupid, stupid mistakes. And we've had a ton of those stupid mistakes this season. And again, it costs us two points. Yeah, I mean, you know, overall, I don't think the front four did anything wrong. And, you know, actually, even I'll put Luke in that category. Like, the yeah. attacking, they did their job. He's like right? our top, like, um, playmaker at the moment right now with Bruno kind of being a bit more quiet. Dude, I mean, like, Luke, um, special shout out to him. He's playing, like, a prime Roberto Carlos at the moment. It's kind of unreal to watch. Um but yeah, I think it's a case of, you know, our our forwards just being let down so much, you know, by De Gea, Lindelof, and Maguire. Um, even Wan-Bissaka had some moments where I think he, he's not holding the line. You know, it's happened a couple of times already this year. Oh, man, I mean, this is nothing new. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've known this. Yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> like, this was a tough result, to, a tough pill to swallow, I would say. But we've seen it before. We've seen it before this season. Um, we've made stupid mistakes. Like I think about the um, the game against Istanbul, Besiktas here away. Like we made stupid mistakes there. Um, you know, the first goal we conceded against Fulham, a defensive mistake. You know, and we essentially we just had three of them in this game, and that cost us the game. And again, like I was telling you before, like uh, previous episodes, you can't be a championship or a title contending team and just make these mistakes. I mean, look at City. They're cruising because they have solid defenders and they're just amazing going forward. And they're absolutely just stealing the league now. So oh, it's just so, so disappointing. So disappointing. Yeah, it's like, you know, your attack, a good attack wins you games, but a solid defense, like they, they win you titles and championships. Yeah, because it gives you that consistency, honestly. Like, if we had a good back line, right, we basically just see out the 2-0 win. Like, I, I would have been like, totally satisfied with that, too. Yeah, so, right? let's, so let's talk about the game a little bit because, I mean, I had yeah. some strong feelings about this game. Yeah. So first half, you know, things are going well. We're dominating. Um, Everton really aren't creating anything. They're not playing well at all. We have a complete lid on the game, and we finally get a breakthrough with um, Cavani with a brilliant ball from Rashford, right? Just amazing quality. And we're up 1-0. And then what I like to see is after that, we kept pushing, right? We kept pushing for another goal, which was fantastic. We we're dominating the game, foot on the pedal. And just before the half, amazing goal from Bruno Fernandez, right? Cantona-esque, right? Where it's a shot from outside the box, looping over the keeper. And he just kind of stands there. Um, and we're up 2-0. And things look great, right? Like it's a, it was an amazing half, dominating the game. Granted, Everton had that one chance at the end where they 
where they broke through and that was like another defensive mistake. But if we ignore that, it was a good half of football for the team, right? So then you're thinking, okay, we're going to cruise to a good win here, right? Nope. Yeah, the thing is, um, I honestly thought like the first 15, 20 minutes were pretty dead on both sides. Like nothing was going on. And then we had, we had you know, a nice breakthrough, uh, you know, a lovely cross by Marcus, by the way. And like Cavani, his positioning, we, we, we know time to time he will be, he will be there, right place, right time, you know, to knot that in. But I kind of felt like I, I wouldn't say it was domination because like to me, domination is like leads. Like that was pure, you know, like first half, entire first half, that was domination. Um, is it weird that I felt like the team played actually better after we conceded both goals? Um, after the Hamas goal? Because I felt like we were actually pushing forward. Like, I mean, I, the- I, I hope so. I mean, okay, sure. It was a good response, right? After yeah, we yeah. conceded those two goals, we definitely responded like, oh, crap. You know, like <laughs> we just conceded two goals. We have to go out. We have to go and win this game. And it's just how this team responds, right? Like, Every time, um, even this game, like you said, like the first 15, 10 minutes were dead, right? And that's just because we like we need a kick in the butt almost to get going, right? That's why we always concede first because that kind of kicks us in the butt and then we start dominating, we start pushing. Um, but in this case, we're lucky enough to get the first two goals. But then mm-hmm. um, the calamity of the beginning of the second half, just everyone just absolutely switching off and we can see two goals out of the blue you can point to De Gea's mistake you can point to um you know Maguire maybe not having the pace to catch up in time but you know as a team you can't concede two goals in three minutes and expect to get a result from the game so when we conceded those two goals I'm like wow <laughs> you know I we I, I don't think we deserve to win this game at, at this point in this league you cannot do that you can't concede two goals like that in the space of three minutes that's just that's just bad. Yeah, I mean, I, De Gea's mistake really opened the floodgates, in my opinion. I mean, I rewatched the goal, and it was just there's no it was, way. It was, it was, it was you, right? Like, it was like when so I saw ugly. that, it was like a disgust. Like, I like I made like a stank face. I was like, ugh. Like he basically palmed it right to to uh, Decore, and I I don't know. I, I'd expect like De Gea to actually catch that or at least punch it like further away, you know. And I, I, and the second goal, right? Um, I when I when I saw it again, Lindelof and Maguire, they're they're marking no one. Yeah. They're they're just they're lost. Yeah, like yeah. Scott has his man, Luke has his man, but I don't know what it is with, um, you know, those two, you know, with the specific center back pairing. Because you know, at times, you know, they they did come through. You know, they they played against Liverpool. I thought they did, you know, pretty well. But it's just like they were it's like they had a stroke or something or they just went completely just brain up. dead yeah yeah and i mean yeah this 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 partnership has gotten a lot of critique this season specifically i think last season they were great right i think we had one of the best defensive records uh in the league last season but uh going forward we weren't necessarily threatening we weren't generating much but this time around it's like the opposite it's switched like going forward we're finding ways to score but we're making these stupid stupid mistakes and you can only point to um mcguire and lindelof because I mean, Luke Shaw has been amazing and Aaron Wambasaka as a defender has been really, really good. So that leaves you with Maguire and Lindelof. And you're right. Sometimes they give you really good performances and then others, they make those mistakes and it costs us games. 
So like what it is exactly what it comes down to, I have no idea. But I do know that we need to get another center back in the summer because our best center back, Bailly, again, he is deceased, no longer with us. And I'm joking, by the way. But he, uh, he Until next year. <laughs> but he's he's in, you know again he's just injured and we're not going to have him available. So, so yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that Lindelof and McGuire just by themselves they are they are good players, right? But I guess the the threshold or like the um, you know there are levels to like elite center backs, and you know those elite center backs I consider them to be you know let's say van dyke or sergio ramos right like they rarely make mistakes right, right? but it just the mistakes just happen too often for us to like and it's both to, of them. It's yeah. not just one it's both they both yeah. make it so it just happens more and more so i want to talk about harry specifically and you know it's such a huge topic that we you know that it's always on twitter like is he captain worthy is he captain material did we waste 80 million dollars 80, 80 million pounds i mean uh on a the lesser city of fleece us basically right and i'm still i still believe in harry right because harry had a fantastic performance at goodison park a few months ago he was basically like a tower like everything's paying off his head he was just he was playing very well um and that's what he can do but I just think I just think he needs a much much better partner. Yeah, I, I know. I like, yeah. I I agree. Listen, at the end of the day, did we overpay for Maguire? Yes, but that's because of a, a variety of reasons, right? The fact that we're Manchester United, the fact that he's a British center back, he was in the England squad at the time. Of course, we're going to be overpaying. That's just a given at that point. But in the defense of Harry Maguire, what I will give him is that he has been um, super reliable in the sense that he's been available for selection day in day out which is something that Bailly can't say <laughs> okay um Harry Maguire has played a lot of games and I'd say he's had more good performances than bad so I don't mind Maguire I just think that you're right I think that it's unfortunate because I think that I think Lindelof as you said individually he's a good center back right he's he's good with the ball on his feet he has pretty good positional awareness. You know, in the air, he's okay. There's better defenders in the air than, than him, but he does make mistakes. But I think that in terms of partnerships, they just don't mesh very well. So yeah, I would love to see another center back with Harry Maguire. One that's maybe a bit, you know, because one thing that Maguire does lack is pace. And when a defender is running at him or runs in behind, he's not going to catch up. So I think that a center back that can that can cover for Maguire in, in those situations, right? I think that that would be super beneficial. And I think that that's Bailly, but he's, you know, we can't rely on him because he's just always injured. So do you think, um, in terms of the captaincy, do you think Harry will stay on as captain next season? Yes, I think he will. Because I just think that... You know, the thing about Harry Maguire being captain that bothers me is that he didn't necessarily earn the captaincy we just kind of looked at our squad and we're like okay who's you know who looks like a captain like we didn't he didn't earn it right we just kind of gave it to him right away um so that's why i feel that he's not necessarily the captain for the future i think a player like bruno right when he's putting in those performances lifting the team showing leadership that's when you earn the captaincy right 
but the way the club is right now, you can't just strip him of 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 the captaincy, right? Like I think he will be the captain as long as he's here. Mm. Yeah, I think my argument to stripping, or I guess stripping is a bit of a harsh term, um, I guess removing the captaincy from Maguire is that it's just becoming too big of a distraction. Mm. And people will always question, right? And people will always ask, oh, why isn't Bruno the captain? Because he's clearly shown the right attitude, the right... Um, he has that bit of nastiness to him that we've been really yearning for years, right? He's like the closest thing we've had to Roy Keane in ages, I'd say, because he 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 doesn't care. He'll 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 get into a fist fight if he has to, you know. <laughs> but he won't though. <laughs> no, he won't. Like, legally, he won't. But, Roy Keane would. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think. Um, obviously, there's no way he his captaincy is being removed this season. But I think it might be something that Ollie should consider in in the in the summer i think maybe like because like i i it's there's no doubt in my mind that harry will keep making mistakes and you know like the more like next year this time around like i i 100 he's gonna make a boneheaded decision and you know screw us and we'll, we'll drop points right like at a certain point it's just like it, it's gonna be too much in the media it's a, it's a huge distraction. I mean, so might as well give it to the guy who deserves it and is showing up on the pitch, in my opinion. Yeah, but you just have to be careful with like team dynamics, right? Like you don't want to just strip the captaincy of one player, give it to another, and then that just kind of festers in the dressing room after. You know what I mean? Like you have to do it strategically. It has to make sense. There has to be a narrative to it. You can't just say, okay, you're not captain anymore. And then just say, well, like you make too many mistakes. That's not going to do him a world of confidence, right? Um, so Bruno will bully him <laughs> into giving up the captaincy, but or he asks nicely because Bruno acts as a captain, you know, naturally, anyways. So it's not even like Maguire is this like dominating captain leadership figure in the dressing room. I think Bruno probably does more of that. So it, it right. seems like we default towards that, anyways. I, I guess, but like being the captain just elevates the expectations. For Harry, the sense of responsibility too. Yeah, and since Harry already makes these mistakes, right? Like, why make it harder on him? I guess. Yeah, but because the the media loves to just you know hate on Eng- you know England internationals, so they love to pick on him, right? And that's that's just a given. So that's always gonna like regardless if he puts in good performances or not, he's always gonna get picked on um, just because he's an England center back in an England national. So. You know, that's always going to happen. I, I have faith in Maguire. You know, people point to his performance in this game. I don't think it was that bad, but I, I, I do. Th- yeah, he did switch off a couple times and and that cost us. And that has to change. But at the end of the day, I think that if he has a better partner, I think that a lot of those mistakes go away. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes, you know, sometimes, you know, it happens to everybody. We saw it with Allison today twice, but at the end of the day, it happens. But we just need to make it happen less. That's the key. Yeah. I mean, our back line is very suspect and it's probably the reason why we're not playing in the Champions League right now and we're stuck in the Europa League. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, right, a draw, a draw isn't, you know, as much as it hurt, as much as a painful draw it was, in terms of the league table, we're still in a good position, right? It's yeah. It's not the end of the world. 
a lot of people, a lot of fans after this game were saying, "Oh, sack Ollie or, or whatever." I think it was just it was just in a in a rage of of passion and disappointment because of the hope that they had. Right, the, they were clinging on to that title challenge hope, which again I don't think is a thing, and I never expected it because my expectations are different. But a lot of people were still, you know, holding on to it. And then the, the comments from from Ollie after the game were were very interesting, right? Did you hear those comments that he said about you know about the title challenge? Uh, not specifically about the title challenge. What did he say? I mean, straight up, he said straight up to the media this time. He's like, "We are not contenders." I think that's a very honest and fair assessment. You know, I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because it's because we had that little bit of taste be on top for like those two glorious weeks, or yeah. I don't know how long it was. Yeah, I think. We completely forgotten like how far we've you know um, progressed, I guess. And had you told me that we'd only be what is it eight points behind, we're second and we're eight points behind City and we're above Liverpool, like you know at the beginning of the year or after that Tottenham match, I'd be like, wow, how what on earth happened? That's great, right? Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because a, a good friend of mine, he's an Arsenal supporter and he was telling me like, Oh, it must be so disappointing. Like, like it's like, you know, you guys have the talent of a top four team. Like, how could you, how could this happen? And I'm like, dude, we're still second. Yeah. We <laughs> like, are top four. That's the thing. Yeah, That's, I mean, we are top four. This we're right where, where we yeah. should be. Right. Yeah. And so. <laughs> that's what fans need to remember. Like, yes, yes. This was a very hard pill to swallow. Trust me. I, I was right there with everyone. angry, um, pissed off, disillusioned with the with with the team because, I mean, like we played well and then we and we still conceded three goals. Again, that's still that's still crazy to me, right? Um, but being being second at this point in time is is great, and you know, like we have to aim for a you know a top four finish, which is realistically fourth or third, and just get Champions League next year and then build off of that because we're still improving and we have improved we've come a long way um but the players know it Oli knows it especially after this game we still have a long way to go as a team yeah we've cut the gap that's the most important thing and you know a champion league spot in a center back that's all i really asked for for this year um and also uh, you know like given the result today the the big city and liverpool match um i am a little bit somewhat relieved that city did win because it just that'll dispel any like sense of hope unrealistic hope that will win the league in a sense yeah yeah exactly yeah. i mean again like i think the whole 21 is coming thing is a bit a bit delusional i mean i think that because i just i i realized that we were on top of the table and yeah we were we were winning a lot but if if you looked at our team and how we were playing and how we were winning games it wasn't characteristic of a title contending team I mean, we were, you know, kind of scraping out wins, like one goal thrillers, comebacks. You know, it wasn't commanding, per, like really good performances, right? It was, it was still, it still seemed like we were fighting for them, but we were getting them. And that was the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, there's levels. I'll say it, I said it before, I'll say it again. There's levels to this and we are not at a title contending level yet, but it looks like we're on our way, which is positive. So speaking of levels, right? Do you think Liverpool this year are not at the same level? I mean, they're literally not. But like, do you still do you still consider Liverpool to be on City's level still? 
after I, today. I kind of see Liverpool right now as as like a sleeping giant because I think that they've been extremely, extremely unfortunate this year with injuries. I think every team has injuries throughout the course of the year and they're and some are more impacted disproportionately than others. But with Liverpool's case, man, they were unlucky, extremely unlucky with their with, with their back line, right? Losing their right. first two choice center backs, uh, losing another center back. Um, but they're still, you know, a top team, right? Which tells me that had they not had those injuries, had they not had those issues going forward, you know, lately not getting as many goals, they would still be up there contending City. I don't think that, see, for me, yes, they're not at City's level right now. That's that's clear, right? I mean, today they lost, you know, resoundingly to City. But, like, the talent is still there. The players are still there. Um, I just, yeah, I just think that they're on a poor run of form right now. Um, I actually wouldn't necessarily think that they're out of it. I know really? I, you, you don't think they're out of the league? Yeah, yeah, hot take, oh, hot okay. take. I, I think oh, okay. everyone everyone was quick to, like, look at this game against City and say, oh, if they lose this, it's over for sure. But I think that's oversimplifying it. I think that... You know, this league is it's crazy this year, right? Mm. And City, City were literally nobody talked about them uh, uh, about City being contenders, right? They were at, like near the bottom half of of the top side of the table for a lot of the beginning of the year, and no one talked about them. But now they're on this crazy run. Things are going fantastic, and they're winning games. But that's form. Eventually, they're going to slip up. Form's going to come in for Liverpool, and Liverpool is probably going to creep back up. I still think that Liverpool are the only contenders to compete with City. That's that's what it is at the end of the day. Here's my hot take. I think they're completely out of it, um, the title. That's what everyone's saying, right? Well, th- well, that's the thing, because it's not just because of today. I mean, I think this today just confirms it even more. But like they're after going like 68 unbeaten at home, they've lost three in a row at home, elite games. That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, yeah that's bad. And... Just watching like Salah and you know Firmino and Mane, they've been I don't, I don't know Salah's been actually productive, but Firmino and Mane like they're not their usual selves. They're not missing the ones, something. Yeah, yeah. Like as much as I like you know Trent Alexander Arnold too, like he made a mistake in the first City goal as well today, mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah, I mean if you're playing Henderson and Fabinho consistently as center back, of course, like I don't think like there's no way. They can amount. They can mount a like a proper challenge, I guess. Basically, with the way that City are playing anyway, because somehow, like Pep, like just adding uh, Ruben Diaz somehow turned John Stones into a starting league winning caliber yeah. of center back again. It's like it's kind of blowing. It's blowing my mind, and it gives me hope for Maguire too. Because if we give Maguire the right guy, maybe you know Maguire will just we'll get it together. We'll find his you know like his mojo, I guess. And I don't know the city like they're they Phil Foden today man like they he played well I think yeah he he was playing out of his mind today yeah I'm 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 quick to compare when whenever I hear of Phil Foden I always think I always compare him to Greenwood right in mm. in the sense of their progression because obviously they're in similar similar age they know each other they had that incident together I was gonna say, <laughs> in yeah. in Norway Iceland trip yeah. Iceland or Norway. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. One of those. <laughs> and so I always compare him and Greenwood because they're kind of similar players as well, right? They 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 love a good cut in with the left foot and bang one in the net, right? And Phil Foden has had an incredible year. Um, I mean, he's he's emerged as a starter for, 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 for City. 
you know, which is good for them, I guess. I despise I thought, City. Yeah, <laughs> I thought for sure they were. I thought Foden was going to pull like a Sancho or something and leave and shine somewhere else. But I mean, credit to him for sticking around because I, I really thought like, oh, how is he going to get past De Bruyne and like Gundogan? I mean, I guess it helps that you know if KDB is out, right? He's definitely yeah. going to walk in into the uh, starting eleven. So yeah, I mean that's um, you know that's basically I guess. The biggest match of the Premier League, but let's move on to a bigger issue. You know, has been, you know, lingering in the Premier League. I know Max has been desperate to really rant about it, and it's our very favorite VAR. And we've seen it earlier, um, somewhat help us and help Wolves. Uh, you know, um, help us take an advantage uh, with with red cards, I guess, and. It's interesting because we discussed these red card incidents. Um, so there was a David Luiz incident, there's a Jan Bednarek incident. And then yesterday there was the Thomas Socek incident. So Max, I'll let you take this because I know you've been wanting to talk about it. Um, yeah, here's your platform. Man. Well, well, look, man. There's there's almost there's almost too much to talk about that it's hard to you know get my thoughts across because it's it's such a circus right now with VAR, right? But if I had to sum it up, it's as if the referees in this league, right? They took this technology that was supposed to be objective in its use, right? And and they've sort of incorporated their biases into VAR. So even with VAR, we're seeing just absolutely silly, silly decisions. And I guess the one that I, I will highlight is the most recent one. And it's one that you mentioned, Thomas Suchek, West Ham versus Fulham. When Suchek just kind of brushed his elbow up to, I guess, you know, get Mitrovic away from him a little bit, right? Like, because he had his arms on him and he just kind of just kind of put his elbow up to, I guess, put his hands up, right? And, you know, I don't think anything was called on the field or Mitrovic went down or something, but the VAR team tells Mike Dean to go to the monitor. And then Mike Dean goes to the monitor and then he's looking at this and he looks at this for a long time, a long, long time. And everyone's saying, and this is a consensus league-wide, that is not foul play. That is not violent conduct, as they say it in VAR, right? But here's Mike Dean looking at his monitor for, it It might have been five to eight minutes. And the more he's standing there, the more you're thinking, wow, he might actually give a red card here. And sure enough, Mike Dean, because he wants to be the superstar of the league, walks up to Suchek, gives him a red card. And at that point, I mean, I was just, I was just dumbfounded. I was just dumbfounded that with VAR, that kind of stupid, idiotic call happened, right? VAR is supposed to exactly get rid of those kind of decisions. And yet he uses it to, he uses VAR to make a stupid decision. Like, how does that make sense? It's just, it's just crazy. And then we saw it, you're right. We saw it with, with Ben Narak, the David Louise. I mean, the David Louise thing like it should have been a penalty, I think, but maybe not a red. Um, and then Bednarak that got reversed, so they admitted to their to their mistake. 
but man, I mean, like what a circus. It's just, it just seems like every weekend we just keep talking about VARs and I want to see the stats in terms of penalties awarded, you know, in terms of this season, last season compared to previous seasons in the league. Cause it's, it's gotta be astronomically different. I say this as a huge supporter of VAR. Like it's only VAR is only as good as, as the people who use it. For sure. Yeah. I agree with that. The, when VAR was introduced in like the 2018 World Cup, I thought it was really used well. Like they, like my memory of VAR in the World Cup was referees, they took as little as time just to do a quick check in the monitor, went back and made a quick decision. And it was pretty like pretty standard. There was like either it's a penalty or not, for example, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just like it's kind of mind-blowing that, yeah, like what are these guys thinking? Right. It's like it's kind of like the this shouldn't take five or eight minutes to to make a decision. It's like usually with incidents like these, like you you don't need to slow like slow it down like ten times and just rewatch it over and over again. Because it makes everything look worse if you slow it down like that. It makes everything look ten times worse. I think it should always be in real time speed. And also, I suggested this earlier, but you know, when I was watching uh, Six Nations rugby yesterday, you know, I really appreciated how I, I can listen in to like the referee decisions. Yeah. And I feel like referees of any sport, to be honest, even basketball or even and even fo- football, like we deserve to have referees need some sort of accountability. And they need to be able to explain like what their thought process is. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they're completely they're 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 just missing transparency. We're we're not understanding these calls, and they don't explain them afterwards. I think that they should be hot mic'd when they're like when they're on these monitors and they're talking to the VAR team, um, so somewhere in London. I'm I'm assuming we should just be able to hear what they're saying, like what their arguments are, what their reasoning is. Um, because honestly, I don't think at this point. I think fans, players, teams, managers, they're all extremely frustrated with VAR because they don't know what the rules are anymore and they don't know how it's being used anymore. And they've sort of lost faith in the referees because of that. So I think that at the end of the season, all these refs need to get together. They need to you know, address a lot of these issues and come together on a lot of the rules. And make sure that they communicate it clearly to the league that this is how we're going to call things. Because I'll give you one example, right? Contact between a keeper and a player, okay? Like in in the keeper's box. I, I've seen that kind of decision go both ways. In favor of the player, in favor of the keeper. And it's just inconsistent and it, it really bothers me, right? Because like I can understand that a ref makes a mistake, but the fact that one ref calls it one way and then three weeks later, the ref, another ref will call it the other way is extremely frustrating. So there needs something needs to be done. And I don't know what that is, but it's, it's a lot. They got a lot of work to do. How does Mike Dean still have a job in the Premier League? Because I swear I've seen Mike Dean in the center of all controversies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. man... I, at the end of the day, and this is just all speculation, obviously, I, I'm not a referee that's in the know of the of the FA, but it's an old boys club, right? Like, it has it, to be. There's there there's politics 
in this like like the referee association is this archaic organization that's been around probably since the FA and so it has its roots in deep tradition and i'm sure there's like politics going around everywhere you know like cuz it's not necessarily progressive i mean there's what there's only one um female assistant referee like uh, that's that's even in the league right so uh, i don't know <laughs> It's just, it, it is just, it is just a mess right now. And it's probably one of the least respected referee organizations in the world. Yeah. I mean, you heard about the really interesting um, article that Mark Clattenburg wrote. Do you remember Mark Clattenburg? Yeah. 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 I think he literally admitted to like kind of um, swaying his decisions to favor, I think it was, it was us or some other team yeah well because at the end of the day like there's always going to be a little bit of that i guess like it might be you know suggested by the by the referee association because that's good for it's like the benefit of the league long term right that's probably what they tell them um but again you know this is this is all speculation the one thing that we do know for sure though is that var although it is a great technology the people that are using it are not using it correctly and they need to take a good long look in the mirror and they need to figure out how they can correct that because VR is great. I'm not complaining about VR. Um, it's just not being used properly. That's 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 the story at the end of the day. I'm going to have to do more research on this, but like, what is how is VAR used differently, let's say, in the Champions League versus um, the Premier League? Off the top of my head, I honestly don't know. It's not like um, we, ha- we haven't played a lot of Champions League games <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to know that as much, but you, but you don't think about it as much right in the champions league or it's not as much of a point of discussion or it might be like the referees that are looking at it have a you know think about it differently than the refs here in england Mm. so i don't know man like it's just this big big issue where there's a lot of problems and there's so many different ways to tackle it but the bottom line something needs to be done and we're just going to leave it at that because or you know if not we're going to just keep talking about this forever and we probably will bring it up again in future episodes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I think this Tuesday, we got to bounce back. It's a tough FA Cup matchup against West Ham. Either way, I'm not too bothered if we get knocked out because it's the FA Cup. Anything can happen. But yeah, it should yeah. be a fun match to watch. Yeah, uh, I mean, Everton's in a really, really great run of form, right? And um, there's there's an interesting storyline, right? With the fact that they got uh, they got our boy, Jesse Lingard. Ling- yeah. Lingardino. The reincarnated British Messi, um, and he and he had a super start to his West Ham career, right? Two goals in his first game against Aston Villa, um, but like kind of two soft shots that Martinez should have saved. But that's another topic. But they were so good that Martinez couldn't stop him. Or he was like, "Oh no, it's Jesse Lingard." You know, like I, I, I can't possibly stop these. Yeah, honestly, happy for Jesse. I think realistically, he'll probably leave the club at the end of the year. And play full time at West Ham. That's the probably the better move. He gets to live in London, play first team football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think uh, I think it's kind of run its course. To be honest, um, he's he's a great player, but I think the way that, especially the way that we're playing in our system right now, he doesn't necessarily fit into it. And he kind of got replaced in a way by Ahmad Diallo, right? They're kind of almost like similar players in the sense. Oh, Ahmad, Ahmad. I, I hope oh. he actually. You know, one thing I do hope. I hope that he's included in the squad, Diallo, uh, for, for, the the, FA Cup. for the FA Cup game. Yeah, I think there's a chance. 
I think there's a chance he makes an appearance on on the subs bench. He's been tearing it up in the U23s. I'm not sure if you saw like the most yeah, recent oh match. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm 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 buying I'm buying into it, man. I mean, look, you know, watching him play and watching Facundo play, like I see a difference, right? Like I think I think Diallo is a lot more, and thank God because we paid like what forty million for this kid, mm-hmm. so. I see a lot more confidence. He te- technically he's on another level, um, and he controls the game a lot more than Facundo, right? I think his mental aspect, uh, his mental attributes. I think he's years um, mm-hmm. ahead of his like people, like of his peers. I guess, like I think he just sees runs. He see he sees passes before you know. Yeah, um, most he's just gifted. Do. He's just super gifted yeah. too. So. Europa League, FA Cup, and then eventually maybe he'll get some Premier League starts. I mean, this—it's literally open for him, man. It's—it's it, it's like no one's going to stop him from playing on the right wing. Honestly, it's not like—I mean, Mason has been playing a bit better. Yeah, right? no, but, no, no. Honestly, in in the game against Everton, I think Mason—I think he played really well, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing noticeably better, I'd say. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because, like, I with Mason, I always brought up the fact that I need him to be, you know, a better. Or to bring more to his game in the sense of he needs to be better, like a better provider, like, you know, passing the ball in and around the box um, instead of just the one dimensional attacking a player, you know, step over, step over, left shot, left foot shot, right foot shot, right, which is great, but he needs to give us a bit more. And I think in this game he did, right? He had a few, few times where he cut in and then he tried to look for Cavani in the box, mm-hmm. right? A few times where he crossed in and that's we like we need more of that we need more you know different ways that he that he can be a danger to the team i i feel i feel pretty good about our, about our um about mason more than tony per se i mean thank god i think tony deserves a bit of a rest or a benching whatever he needs <laughs> yeah i know he's been playing bad yeah. so it's 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 good to switch it up and we have the luxury of switching things up yeah need to put Eddie um, in some cryo chamber so we can preserve him. Yeah. So actually, like, I wanted to bring up like really quickly. You know, Eddie can't play forever, right? We'll probably extend his contract by maybe one more year. I think. Sure. Or do don't we have like a an option to extend his contract anyways? Is it two years or one year? I can't remember what it is. But obviously, it's whatever two. it is, he's deserved an extension. Yeah. The way he's played. Yeah. Absolutely. But, no, I mean like okay, okay yeah. so like really quickly touching on Cavani, um, yeah. I I love Cavani in the team. I love what he brings to the team, and credit to him because he really worked his way in into the team into a starter. Because when he came in, we're thinking okay, like we didn't think he was going to be a starter. We just thought okay, we're going to use him as a, as another second option as a substitute. You know, when we need a goal, throw him on in the 70th minute. As much as it's weird to say with a guy like Cavani, right? But we all had this impression that okay, he hasn't played football for like a year and a half and he's getting older now. He's past his prime. He's kind of over the hill. But, you know, he brings so much. He brings such a different dynamic to this team. You know, just his work rate on the pitch. He's among the highest um, distance covered players in the league. And his positioning is great. The runs he makes, whether it's in behind defenders balls into the box or even you know coming short so that players can run in behind him it's just it's just fantastic and he gives a sense of confidence to the team um and he gets goals right so like i'm very impressed with how Cavani's worked his worked his way into the team 
And lately, as a team, we figured out that if we put more crosses into the box, Cavani might be on the end of them. It's it's no surprise that Luke has been loving life these days because he has a guy like Cavani exactly. to finish his chances. It's just like that guy is a cardio monster, man. Because mm-hmm. before, he, before we we would never cross the ball, we would never do it because no one no one would get on the end of it. Like who was in the box? Martial, maybe. But even Martial, his work rate is nowhere near you know uh, Cavani's. Um. Yeah, I just think Cavani just offers us so like such a different style, mm-hmm. and I think he just fits our needs so much better right now. And I, I, I just hope that Mason and Marcus just learned as much as possible from this dude. Osmosis, yeah. Just, Hopefully, man. Just, just, just learning from him because I mean he's he's great, right? And yeah, I mean, in terms of your earlier question, like you know what, like what are we going to do in the future? You know, in terms of extending him or looking for another option. Uh, that's difficult. I mean, I think we should extend. Obviously, he deserved it. Um, and he's shown us that he has legs and he can definitely definitely run and, and provide a lot for the team. Um, but going forward, like in terms of a striker, it's something we haven't really thought about as much, right? Because we've always thought that Martial was that guy for us going forward. But I think it's a bit clear now that he's not going to. So we should be in the market, not this summer, but maybe the summer after for you know a big striker signing and i know the first thought that comes to mind when you think about a top quality striker is holland right from dortmund but i i actually i think he's actually worth 200 million i actually like he's that I mean, good i yeah, think he's he in, in terms of like bang for your buck in terms of just potential and how long yeah. and value how long you're going to get him for in his prime years yeah he's he's the best bang for your buck in the market for now like right now there's no doubt about it but it's just extremely unlikely. I don't think he goes uh, to us. I think he's going to end up, yeah, somewhere else. Because I'd rather <laughs> he go to Real Madrid instead of the Premier League. If it can't be us, he should just go oh, somewhere else. Oh, of course. Else. I would not want him yeah. to see him in the Premier League if it's not with us. There's Except no for Chelsea, because they'll find a way to ruin him. Shots fired. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, look at Timo. We all thought Timo was going to tear it up in the Premier League, but... Okay, well, we're gonna yeah. we're, we're gonna end it there before uh, Chris gets into a Chelsea uh, slander pod. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a change in format, actually. Um, instead of doing a podcast after every single game, um, because the schedule is so tight and we have very busy lives, we're just gonna keep it to one podcast a week, where we will just talk about whatever game happened and then you know just things in and around the league. So with that being said, our next podcast will be next weekend um, after we play. Who is it that we play on the weekend? I believe it is West Brom on Sunday. So hopefully that's an easy win. Um, So yeah, with that being said, uh, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, Don't forget to follow us at Stratford Chat on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next time. Cheers.